0: Thank you. first uh, entertainment tour in Iraq was in 2007. Oh, no kidding. And they, it was originally booked for April 2007. And the week before we were going to leave, they the, the contractor called and said they're canceling because there's too many operations going on. Yeah. It's just too busy. Yeah, that and was uh, during the surge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was a surge. And so they rescheduled us for August. So, my first tour we went in August, and i wasn't I wasn't known nobody knew who I was, so i was we were doing like all these small fobs and we were hitting two two fobs a day for fourteen days. We would just go <laughs> around and go to all these little places. but I remember very specifically in Warhorse, and we had met we we'd been probably gone for three or four days. You just meet all these people. Everybody's real cool, upbeat. They're like, oh, musician's awesome. Yeah. You know, everyone has different jobs on the fob. There's a million jobs on the fob. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and I remember one day, this about a five truck convoy comes in. And the sergeant major that was taking us around, you know, they open the gates, the guys come in, they park, you know, in the gravel. And the Sergeant Major's like, oh, I want want you to meet these guys because they're not going to be able to make it to your concert tonight because they're going back out. Yeah. And these dudes come rolling out of the truck just covered in dirt (laughs) and sweat. the good old boys right there. Nobody was smiling. Yeah. They're just like, just stoic. And they come walking out, and Sergeant Major's like, oh, I want you to. You know, Sergeant Major's always, hey, I I want you to meet. Here's the band. The band's playing tonight. You know, come meet these guys. And and so – it was the first time that I met guys that weren't, that weren't like, oh man, yeah, bob, yeah, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they were they were like, it's been it's been a busy day. Yeah, and then that, then I knew right then because I was learning everything. I knew then there's different kinds of deployments. Oh, dude, <laughs>
1: yeah, those are your grunts right there. There's yeah. different
0: kinds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and I don't mean this in any disrespect to to anybody that has served or that's currently serving. This is no disrespect at all. But I learned right then that there's guys that that men women that will go overseas and they take out the trash for a living. Yeah. yeah. You know, nothing wrong. Like I said, no, no. disrespect. No, no no no. But there but there are there are others.
1: You're one of the others. Uh you know, man, before I joined um you know, obviously in high school, um I uh I have buddies that are already gone, right? So in 2001, I was a sophomore when when all that, when 9-11 went down and I have buddies that I played football with that were seniors and a bunch of them were like, we're going. And I'm like, all right, cool. So they, they had already done a couple of deployments when they came back and I talked to them. I was like, dude, I want to go. Like, I want to join. I want to go. What do you think I should do? And without skipping a heartbeat, all four of them were like, you got to be 11 Bravo. You got to be an infantry guy. And I go, okay. He goes, you'll think us later and i was like cool because i'm still thanking them later hell yeah oh <laughs> for sure yeah, yeah i mean listen it, 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 man again without no disrespect right i wanted to go and fight you know yeah. and, and i had an understanding that you can join the army and be in the band now that there's something nothing wrong with being in the band but yeah i, I wasn't going to join to be the band and play music and not go fight yeah. you know what i mean or i wasn't going to Join and be a cook and, and feed guys like uh, which we need those guys. We, we, I was going to say it's important we need to say in this conversation
0: so that no one starts getting their feelings hurt. Yeah, yeah for sure, dude. We need the cooks. Over we do. Them. We need we the do. mechanics
1: fixing the generators. It all it, it makes the wheel go around, right? Yes. everybody does. Everybody contributes, yes. and and that's what makes the machine go. And everybody's job is important. I just wanted to be in the front lines, and I wanted to look him in the eyes and. I wanted them to be me was the last thing they ever saw before it was all said and done. So like, I wanted to go fight. So that's why I chose that job. Yeah.
0: Dude. Um, uh, respect. Um, I, I looked it up. I looked up the day of the week and it was a Monday, May the 14th, 2017. Yep. It was a Monday. Yeah. And anytime I hear a story like yours, I always my brain
1: always goes to 20 20 uh or 2007, 2007. I don't know what <laughs> like, that. It was so, three years ago sorry. or wait, 2007. Shit, I don't even they can't even do math right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah so sure. I I my
0: mind always goes to, you know, what was I doing? Yeah. And so I know that I know that my little my little entertainment deployment was canceled so I was probably out playing a nobody in a bar type type <laughs> concert, you know, but yeah. um and you were having the day of your life. And I don't think I don't think I know you've told it a thousand times, yeah. but I don't think we can go really much farther in this in this story without you telling what happened on May the fourteenth. If you don't, yeah, mind. no, not yeah. not at
1: all, not at all. Yeah, so May fourteenth, two thousand seven. Um, it, it was just like any other day, right? I mean, we went out. It was early in the morning. We were on our patrol, and we had three other platoons, so we all alternated uh, times during the month. So some guys would start at night. Some guys would leave those guys, and then in the morning, we would go out. So that was our turn. Our turn was to go out early as possible in the morning. So, you know, I woke up, uh, inspected my truck, and I was a fifty cal gunner. So I went mm-hmm. out and made sure that the head space and timing was done on my fifty. Make sure that we had enough water, you know, all the little things. You know, it's kind of like when you wake up, you make your coffee, you grab your keys and your phone, and you're like, ah, I'm rolling out, same thing. And, um... Man, it was crazy, right? Because I I can look back at it now, and it was one of those things where I I, I had a routine. So I would check everything, make sure we had gas, everything. Guns was good to go. And then before we rolled out, I used to say a quick prayer. And then, you know, we go out the window, and I'm like, right, cool. I'm out the doors. And I'm like, I'm good. But for some reason that day, we were running behind a little. There was a lot of chaos going on, and I forgot to do a couple things. And, And saying a prayer was one of them. And, uh, so we roll out, we were a five vehicle convoy and that was a third vehicle um in the uh in the row. And uh we started rolling out. Can you tell me what, what fob were you leaving? We were in a fob called Apache, which uh, Apache. Yeah, we were in Adami, Iraq, which was the yeah. last place. Yeah, I, I went through uh, Apache. Did you really? Yeah. Oh yeah. no shit. Yeah. yeah. it's it's such a small little fob. I mean there was about hundred and ninety one of us that lived there, yeah. that was it. But that was the last place that Saddam Hussein had been seen before he went into hiding. So mm. we took over the whole palace, um, and we lived in a little small house, which is crazy. It was like a three-story home where all of us lived in, and it was body here, body there, caught here. I mean, it was crazy. You know, that's what we call a home. So, yeah, we roll out of Fab Apache, and, you know, it's like 7 in the morning, and the last vehicle gets hit with an IED. But it was a small one. It was, you know, meant to catch our attention. And goes off and nothing happened to the vehicle. The only thing that happened was the spare tire got blown out. So we pull over, we assess the situation, you know, we're already on alert. And my TC, which is my truck commander, which is my squad leader, staff Sergeant compos, hits me on the leg because I'm the gunner. And he goes, there's your wake up call or your alarm, wake up. And I'm like, ah, God, here we go. So he reached over and I used to have my cigarettes in my pocket and he reached over and he grabs one. And he goes, You're getting text today. So he steals a cigarette. I was like, Dude, what the hell, man? Like I'm <laughs> running low. You know, we're in the middle of nowhere. We already get any. And you're taking one of mine. <laughs> so he does. And, you know, we wake up. I put one in my mouth, too. And then, you know, it comes over the radio. We're going to go. We're going to go. Just push. It's the spare higher." We're like, All right, cool. So we roll out. And as we're driving, the first two vehicles start getting engaged from the left hand side. So they start getting shot at. And, at that point, the first vehicle had already gone, so he can't turn to where the, the fire's coming from. So the second truck follows it so that we don't have a truck by itself going. So anyway, so they go to the next street, they push and they turn, and my vehicle turns straight to where the oncoming fire was coming from. So as soon as that happens, then I can just hear things zipping through and hitting the truck and... At that point, you know, all your training kicks in and you're like, oh, baby, here we go. And Do you get excited? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's like a, it's an adrenaline that you would never, ever experience ever in your life again. Uh-huh. And I've done almost anything. I mean, I've done skydiving. I've gone in a, in, a, in a trophy truck with BJ Baldwin and we've jumped and gone as fast as you can go. I mean, I've done all these things that I can never, ever recreate that high ever again. Um, and so we turn and... You know, I start seeing it, and I was like, all right, here we go. So I get on my 50, and I start unloading and drop the few. And, you know, that adrenaline kicks in, and all the training is in. So you got the adrenaline high, but you still got to perform your job. And I'm like, here we go. Start going. And as we do that, everybody falls back in formation again. So, you know, everybody's scanning. And at that moment, we start getting engaged from the left-hand side again. So we all turn, and I was the first vehicle, and we go over a bump. And in the back of my head, and I'm trying to process what's going on. I'm like, holy crap, this bump shouldn't be here. We've been in there about 11 months already. And I knew those streets like the back of my hands, man. Mm. Like, you could drop me off anywhere and I can get back to the FOB. Like, I knew where we were at. And I'm like, wait a minute. That that shouldn't be there. Well, I'm trying to process this. IED goes off. It was a command detonate IED. So what they did is there was a house to our left and there was a house to our right. They dug a hole from the right-hand side into the middle of the street and started packing it with explosives. And there was a guy inside with a command detonation that, as soon as he saw us, he needed to hit it. Well, he messed up because he needed to hit it as soon as we were in the middle, and that would have probably cracked the the truck in half and killed everybody in it. But he panicked. He got nervous. Yeah, he did. And he hit it in the back. So the truck hit on the backside, and we went up in the air, and we came down. And when the truck hit the ground— um, you know I'm still standing on the gun and it all happened so fast it hits and I come back down my legs collapse and I fall to my right hand side and in the back passenger seat was uh, Specialist Harkey and Harky was was killed uh, on the spot uh, with, with the ID just killed him and I remember looking at him and seeing him and his eyes were just white man like they were mm. just foggy and I was like damn you know Harky's, Harky's gone and as they did a, that, there's
0: a there's a weird thing about the soul when it leaves the eyes. Yeah. I mean, i they say the window to the soul. That's that's a true statement. i um, yeah, it's, let, I don't, it it, don't know how to explain it in yeah. any other way. I mean, not at all, it's man. It's a spiritual thing about it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I looked at him and I was like, "Damn." And I remember looking over and I saw Catterton, which is their driver, and then Fleming was on the other side, and they both jumped out of the truck and they were both on fire and it was crazy because it was like the movies man like you know when things slows down and then but everything's happening so fast it was the exact same thing I saw Catterton on fire and then I looked over and I see Fleming and he's on fire and then he ran behind the truck so I lost sight of him so he was gone and then I lost Catterton and in the midst of all things like I'm laying there and my truck commander which is one of my best friends Campos was as the TC, he couldn't get out. His equipment was burned into the seat, and he was attached ah. to it. And uh, he grabbed me, and he's like, "Get out!" And man, at that point, you know, um, eleven months in, we've lost a lot of guys. I mean, we had lost a lot of guys, and my faith was very low at that point. Like, I had lost faith in God. I was mad. You know, we really didn't talk that well anymore. And I remember laying down there, and I told Campos, I was like, "Nah, man, I'm good. Like, this is it." And I don't know if it's brainwash or, or whatever you want to call it, but in, in, in our profession, it's either you come home alive or you don't. There was never a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I'll get injured and come home and yeah. live somewhat normal life. You know, that, that wasn't in my plan. It was If I was going to die in combat, it was going to be the greatest day of my life, and that was going to be, like, all the glory that I could have asked for is to die in combat. So I'm laying there, and, and, you know, he's trying to make me get out. And I remember— uh you know, at that point, I I, I kind of started talking to God, and I was like, Hey, listen, um, sorry, you know, if I lost faith or questioned you, um, just ask for a favor. Take care of my mom, take care of my dad, and take care of my siblings. Like, you know, look out after them, and just look out after my mom because I know she's gonna take it the hardest, and um, you know, she's gotta bear with this for the rest of her life. I knew my dad was gonna be okay. My dad served, so him and I had had these conversations before, and he was like. I figured he was going to be okay. So as I'm having that conversation, you know, Campos is trying to get me to get out, and uh, the door opens in front of him, and it was one of our other buddies that had run up to the front, Taylor, and, you know, he busted out his knife and started cutting stuff off, and he pulled out Campos, and when he pulls him out, you know, I just started hearing rounds going off. We had enemies coming towards us, like about 30 to 40 of them coming towards us, and uh, it caught my attention. But at the same time, man, it was one of those things where, like, As I was laying there on fire dying, I remember this little voice in my head that said, not today, get up. And then I just felt this energy inside of me, man. Like, to today, I still credit God 100% because I felt it, like, and I truly, like, I can honestly tell you that I heard that little voice that said, get up, not today. And I got up and man, my fifty cal and I started shooting. But since there was so much fire coming out of the Humvee and we had extra grenades, we had extra ammunition, I mean, we we carried extra stuff for everybody else in case we ever got in a big firefight, we had ammo to give out and, and, and all that good stuff. So that started cooking off. And for those that are listening that don't know what cooking off is, is when, when the fire is so strong, you know, the actual gunpowder and then the explosives and things are just going to go off. It's just, you know, yeah. the heat is what happens. And... uh I remember a grenade went off, and it just peppered my whole right side. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. And uh, there was enemies in the rooftop, so I started shooting. And then a round cooked off in the barrel of the 50 cow, and exploded and just everywhere. So I just remember covering my face. And at that point, I was like, all right, I need to get out. You're but, the sitting duck. I mean, you're the gunner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just trying to give a little and bit of support of fire. Oh, yeah. And you're firing <laughs> on top of it. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, yeah, all right, <laughs> just setting the scene here. Yeah, so at that point, you know, as a gunner, you're always taught to um get out of the gunner's hatch and then you know it's about six feet high, so you jump into the front of the hood and then down, or you know, you can jump in the trunk and then down, it, it, whichever one works well. The fire was so heavy on both sides, if I would have jumped in the front, I would have gone straight down with the engine, and mm-hmm. that would have been it, and the same thing in the back, so. I jumped to the side, and as I jumped to the side, I managed to grab my AR. But when I hit the ground, um, you know, I was so badly burned and still on fire that when I hit the the ground, both of my uh, femurs broke. So I had both femurs just break. And uh, I remember, and I looked at me, and it just something hurt. And I just started looking at me, and I'm on fire. So I do the whole stop, drop, and roll. And let me just tell you, it doesn't work. (laughs) Whoever invented that.
0: Lie to us because oh, it God. doesn't work. <laughs>
1: uh, so I start doing it. It's not working, and then out of nowhere, uh, Kushno, which is one of our other buddies, comes over and he's like, "Close your eyes." I'm like, "Why?" And he just peppers me with with a fire extinguisher and everywhere, and he turns me off, and he's like, "I'll be right back. I'm gonna go get the medic." And I'm like, "All right, cool." So I start pushing myself away from the car, from the vehicle, because I mean, I jumped down and it was right there, and, and I can still feel the flames of the Humvee coming towards me. So I roll over. And I start scanning, and I look at the rooftop, and I can see people. And I I take a couple of shots, and I take a couple other shots, and then I run out of ammo. I mean, I only had 30 rounds in my mag. We're actually 29. I never really loaded it all the way up. And uh, at that point, man, um, it was like a scene on Black Hawk Down, because I remember just looking up, and I saw two helicopters. And I'm like, holy crap, It's this is the fastest medical evacuation in the history of Iraq. Like, they're coming to get us already well what had happened was there was two Blackhawks and the AO uh, in the uh in the vicinity and um and uh they happened to see the smoke so they came to check it out like you know what's that and then they saw and they were able to uh make uh contact with the guys on the ground so they established communication and they're like yeah we, we got hit with an ID this is what's going on and the guy goes oh here they come so there's about thirty to forty of them coming down the streets all all packed man like with RPGs, everything you can think mm-hmm. of and these guys just came down and Smoked them all. I mean, just it was awesome. But I, that's all I saw. I didn't know what was going on at that yeah. time. It's brass falling everywhere. And I'm like, what? I was like, here we go. I'm getting out of here. And then I see them leave. I'm like, where y'all going? Uh-oh. Well, they were running out of fuel because they, they, you know, they were doing those runs for us and, you know, they weren't even supposed to be there. So they, they went back and refueled and then they were coming back. But as all that's going on, I'm sitting there and, um, Staff Sergeant Nunez, which is one of the other guys, comes runs by me. And he's running, and he looks down, and he's like, you know, he caught that look like, oh. And I'm there, and, like, just sitting there, and he goes, uh, are you alive? And I was like, I, I think so. And then he's like, oh, my God. So he grabs me, and I was like, dude, I think my leg's broken. And, then, you know, he takes a quick glance, and, you know, all this stuff's going on. And he goes, no, no, you're fine. And I'm like, okay. So he picks me up. And I'm putting all my weight on him, so we start walking, you know. And uh, we get to the Humvee, and uh, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna have to let you go for a little bit because I gotta open the door." And you know, for those that don't know, an up-armor Humvee, the doors are by 500 pounds. I mean, they're heavy. It's they're heavy. So he lets go of me, and he opens the door, <laughs> and when he does, my legs break. And all I remember is I saw him, I saw the Humvee, and I remember hitting, and I saw the sky, and then he comes over to me, and he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And all I can think is like, I- Told you my legs are broken. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, why? Why aren't you in pain? I'm like, you know, I credit it to adrenaline. I mean, the yeah. adrenaline was so high that, um, you know, I couldn't really feel it. I really didn't know the extent of my injuries. And uh, so he puts me on the Humvee. And uh, the driver that we had was his first day in Iraq, was his first day out the wire, was his first driving in combat and seeing combat. Mm. And... uh he was a replacement you know like we had lost so many guys that we were starting to get little replacements here and there so he's screaming and he's scared and i don't blame him i mean i mean like how old is he uh, probably 18 19 or how something old you? The, i was 21 yeah yeah so like oh that's that's kind of right. older than the military right? you're right. 21 you're like oh man look at that dinosaur you know and uh so i'm sitting there and he's screaming and yelling and i'm just trying to get a sense of what's going on and I mean, I did what anybody else would have done. I reached over and I slapped them, and I said, "Shut up!" Mm-hmm. I said, "Shut up!" and give me the radio. Gives me the radio, and I start giving accountability to to our uh, company. So I'm like, "Hey, I got I got two wounded, or I got three wounded. I got one dead. Uh, we're getting ready to push. You know, uh, open the gates as you see us coming in. And uh, as I'm doing all that, my medic jumps in and he starts working on me and he's you know patching me up or assessing the situation i guess and i look over him and i'm like i'm like doc i'm thirsty give me some water and he's like i can't give you any water right now man let me let me look at you real quick you know and i'm like dude i'm thirsty bro give me some water and we went back and forward and i finally i was like dude i outrank rank you man just give me some mm-hmm. water and he does and uh, i remember taking a quick sip and it was like the best thing ever like you know mm-hmm. whenever you're like either hungover or something or you're very thirsty after a workout and you just take a cold sip of water and it's the best invention that you know we have that's what that felt like i was like oh my god like water is life like i was like and then followed by the biggest mistake i have could have done in my life i i pour some water on my face because i was you know hot and all the chemicals and everything and the dirt and everything in iraq just went into my eyes and i went blind i couldn't could not see. Mm-hmm. And right then and there, I realized that there was two things that we could do. I could panic, scream, or, you know, just not be effective anymore, or I can help us get back because at that same time I heard over the radio, we're good to go. We're good to go. First truck push up. And I was there in the first truck. And I looked at, the, I asked the driver, what, what position are we in the, in the convoy he goes, we're, we're up front. And uh, he's like, I don't know how to get back. And I was like, I'll take you back. And, at that point, I was like, okay, I need to man up. I need to get this guy back. And so we we get it. We get the green to go, which is pretty much everybody saying they're ready to go. And we start pushing. And all I can remember is like, all right, where we're at, where we're at. And then I was like, all right, you see that pink house up there coming up in the corner? He goes, yep. I said, take that left. And he goes, got it. So he takes that left, and we start going down the road. And for some reason, and I still remember it today vividly, these people had a giant, bell from like a church or something in front of their house for some reason. I don't know why, but it was there. And I was like, you see the giant bell in the front yard? He goes, yep. I said, take that right. You're going to go straight down and you should see a house or you should see the the fob about 300 yards away. And he goes, I see it. I see it. I said, tell me when we're about a hundred yards away. He goes, we're a hundred yards away. So I call up the company. I was like, open the gates, open the gates. We're coming in. We roll in on the first vehicle. Everybody always rolls in. They close them. And I knew that we had three medics on on our FOB, and there was four of us that were wounded. So they come and open the door, and I just closed the door. I'm like, nope. Mm-hmm. I was like, go get the other guys. They're worse than I am. And they're looking at me like, you're burned naked, and there's still fumes coming out of you. Like, no, we got to get you out. And I was like, nope, we only got three medics. I got lucky that we were in the same FOB next to us. There was a special forces group that had just moved in, so their medic came over to help, and he's like, I'm here, we got you, we got you, and I was like, okay. So as I open the door, my buddy comes to grab me, and when he grabs me to pull me out, all my skin just came off into really? his hands, and he's just like, and I can remember seeing his face, like he was in shock, like what the hell. So they finally get me out, and uh, they put me in a stretcher, and they bring me into the aid station, and I remember laying there, and I looked over, and I see Catterton coming in, and I was like, we're going home, brother, and he just looked at me, and he goes like, yeah, man, yeah, I was like, I'll see you shortly. And he's like, okay. And same thing, dude, Fleming, you know, Fleming came in, and I was like, love you, bro. I was like, we're going home. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they took him in, and then Campos came in, and I was like trying to reach over to touch him and, and just tell him that it was okay. And I was like, love you, dude. And he just he just, like, looked at me, and he wasn't responsive. He wasn't really talking, but he was just, like, you know, saying yes. I was like, we're going home. And he's like, okay, okay. So, they, they get us somewhat prepped, and then at that same time, a uh, helicopter came in to pick us up to take us to the green zone so we can start uh, having surgery, so we can, you know, they can get us stable and whatnot. So, from that point, they can ship us to Germany. And man, I remember, you know, they got us back on the Humvee and they start taking us down to the LZ, the landing zone. And the choppers come in, and, you know, and uh, the, the medic goes, close your eyes. I'm like, why? And the fan goes, I mean, the, uh, the the propellers from the chopper are going, and all this dirt goes in my eyes. I was like, again. ah, yeah, again. I was like, ah, shit. Like. Right. <laughs> and at this point, I can kind of see already. Like, it was just kind of quick, so I was like, oh, shit. So I'm, like, closing my eyes again, and they load us up in the chopper. And at this point, you know, it's been almost 11 months. I hadn't seen another female. And the 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 flight uh, medic that was in there was a, was a female and i just i smelled her i was like and i was like oh i was like i was like how are you doing and she's like she's gonna be like i'm all jacked up and she's just like i'm good i'm good and i was like i was like what are you doing after this and she's just like what the hell can't stop the primal <laughs> uh, instinct not at all yeah So <laughs> uh, so i was kind of crazy i ended up linking up with her down the road and like she's just like you're crazy and i was like ah, right, cool whatever i'm gonna uh, take a quick break all right. Be right back with yeah, the story yeah, yeah.
0: All right, so you already have the um, one of the craziest stories anybody's ever heard in their life, <laughs> including you, up until this point. So uh, you're getting transported back,
1: yeah. to the U.S. Well, yeah. So no, from there we went to the Green Zone, and um, you know they they, they kind of prepped us to fly to Germany. And I mean, again, man, this is this is kind of crazy looking back now, and you can kind of see where God was with us the whole time because. Um, May fourteenth got hurt. By the fifteenth ish, at night or midday, we were in Germany, hmm. getting ready to be flown to Brook Army Medical Center, which is the best, the best hospital in the world for burns. So that's where we were coming, and that's in San Antonio. In San Antonio, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, we we get to Germany, and the plane that was there that was supposed to bring us back had been waiting on us. We were we were a little late, but they had other guys on the on the on the plane, and. These are C-130s, man. The biggest planes you've ever seen. And the inside is a hospital. Like, mm. it's a hospital. And they got, like, 10 beds in there. And um, they had, like, four other guys in there that they needed to get out. And they were already in the air, like, four hours into the flight. And there wasn't going to be another flight to probably the next day or something. And, um, you know, they called up the pilots and like, hey, guys, like these guys are pretty bad. We think two of them are not going to make it. Hey, if you guys don't come back, the other two are still kind of questionable. And he's like, but it's up to you guys. You guys do whatever you guys want to do. Make the call that you need to make. And those pilots check with the doctors that were on the plane. And they're like, we got these guys stable. They're good to go. Like, we can go back and get them. That plane turns around, comes back. They refuel. And I guess there's, like, a limit of hours a pilot can fly. Mm-hmm. And uh, they refuel the thing. And they're trying to get the pilots out of out of the cockpit. And the pilots are like, get off our plane. We got to go. Like, we're going to finish our mission and take these guys back. And they're like going back and forth. Like, you're wasting time. These guys are going to die. Get off. So, those pilots were able to stay on. I mean, God bless them. You know, like, this is what I mean. Like, we we couldn't have been alive if it wasn't for those guys. That's that's their job. Like, they fly, right? So, makes the, the wheel go around. And, um, they uh we get back up in the air man and May 16 I'm rolling through the doors of Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio like, that is crazy time, yeah, man yeah yeah so as a result of it I had uh 75 percent burns third and fourth degree burns to the body and I had a metal torso amputation on my right leg which is just the the toes that were gone from from the grenade that went off and then nine years later um I'm doing this dumb 22 mile road march with all these other guys and you know we're we're doing it for 22 vets a day or whatever i'm not saying i'm saying dumb but to me now it is because right. my my wound opened up and you know i i let it sit there for three to four months because burns and 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 uh and wounds don't go together when you're burning you have a wound it takes forever to heal i mean mm. a long time and i give it like six months and i'm like man this thing's not healing up what the hell so my fiance now, she's like, you need to go to the hospital. Go get this checked out. I'm like, all right, I'll go. They ended up finding cancer on it, which is a local cancer. It wasn't spreading or anything. They came in. They took it all out. But they took so much that my leg wasn't closing anymore. And, you know, at this point, I've got nine years with with it. And, and you know, it was limb salvage. And I remember talking to Jay, who Jay's here. And, you know, we had conversations man prior to that like years before like I was like dude I just want to cut it off and he's like no no keep your leg trust me keep your leg and I'm like yeah yeah, you're right and then it got to that point and man I was just like Jay like I'm I'm hurting bro like this hurts like I can't walk it's just it's killing me. down he's like yeah I think you should cut it now and I'm like all right cool so we cut it uh almost four years now uh four years ago cut it and I didn't
0: realize that 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 you lost your leg long after the accident oh
1: yeah it was nine years after yeah Yeah. nine years so then we Um,
0: cut it and dude let me back up just for a minute to uh 2007 you were in a medically induced coma
1: yeah for for about three months
0: (laughs) you you kind of just brushed through that like it's it was a long nap (laughs) dude i mean you just lost three months of your life yeah did you dream did you
1: you you wake up and it's it, it was June, July,
0: August. I mean, yeah, what, right?
1: Yeah. It's um, August. It was crazy, you know, because um, you know, obviously mom and dad and everybody were in the room talking to me and my brothers uh my brother and his girlfriend at the time were pregnant with my first niece, you know, my parents' first granddaughter, everything first everything. And she used to come in there and she used to grab my hand and put it on her stomach and was like you need to survive because at that point they had given my parents thirty percent chance of me living and surviving, and they told them like, "You need to start making funeral arrangements." And they did the same thing to Compos uh, uh they amputated both arm, both legs because he was that severely burned, and they were trying to cut the uh, the limbs off that were all severely uh, uh, with infections. And ultimately, you know, his intestines and the insides were so badly burned that you know he, he couldn't even make it. Um, so that they thought I was the same case. They were like, your, your son's not going to make it. And my parents were like, no, we're not making arrangements. Like, he's going to pull through. And, you know, she used to come in and put her hand on my, on her stomach and just like, your niece Haley wants to meet you. Like, you need to survive. And I remember hearing things like that. And I remember my dad coming in and, you know, my dad just touching me. And my dad would just, like, say little things like, hey, you got this. Like Keep going. You got it. Push forward. And, you know, I remember hearing my mom praying a lot and crying and yeah, you know, my brother crying, my sister crying. Like I remember all these little things. And when I woke up, I was still like on on, on like a like fighter pilot mode because I woke up and I looked up, my dad was there and I'm looking around, I'm looking around, my dad's like, What are you doing? I was like, Where are my boots? I gotta go out. Like, mm. what happened? I gotta go back out. And my dad's like, You are you're in you're in your home and I'm like, Where's home? And he goes, You're in San Antonio And I go, San Antonio, what? He goes, San Antonio, Texas and when my dad said I was like I'm in Texas and my dad goes yeah i, I lay back down and slept for a little longer and then finally came to and realized that what had happened i was like oh damn yeah i got i got hurt and so who told you it's august my dad when my dad woke up i was like i was like what day is it he goes it's august 4th or something i can't even remember the day and i go what he goes yeah i was like when i get hurt he goes may and he goes, and I go, what the hell? He's like, you're in an induced coma, and you've had about forty surgeries. And I was like, okay. Like it was kind of hard to take in because at this point, I mean, all those months were gone, and there's nothing I I, I don't remember. I don't know what happened. Like, what
0: What are they doing to you? Forty times. I don't know much about uh, so with burns. the burns,
1: right? Uh, skin grabs, which is what I have on gotcha. here now. So they were taking good sk- the good skin that I have, the thirty percent of good skin that I had. They they pretty much you know the the little thing that they use for the for the block of ice when they make those snow cones mm-hmm. that just kind of cuts mm-hmm. like that. That's what they do. So they peel it off, and a little piece of skin. They're able to stretch it pretty big, and then they put it on you, and they make sure that like you know you grow that skin back up because you had no skin, and no skin. And so they did that on my chest, on my back, on my sides, some of my stomach, and then my head, too. Like, they took skin from my head, and then they started working on everything else. Um, But one of the biggest things with that is infections. Infections Mm. are huge with burns. So some of it was skin burns uh, or um, skin grafts. Some of it was to clean infections out that I was having. Some of it was to put... um, rods in my legs because they were both broken and i mean i had about four rods all the way down on my legs for a couple of months to make sure that everything healed properly um i had wound backs which is you know they they put this this what is it like a foam rather right? the 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 wound backs is just like this mm-hmm. it's like a foam right and it goes over you and they cover it with plastic and it seals in and then they has a vac on this side and what that vac's doing it's grabbing all the the blood that's coming out and everything and it makes your stuff heal a lot faster. Um so all those things and you know then they have to take me to the shower cuz they have to scrub the the dead uh skin that's on on the graft so they got to scrub that off so the other skin below it can grow better and faster and so it was that and um, the whole time you are asleep. Yeah. Yeah, for some of it and then kind of came back and then You know, then they're doing, and then when I woke up, they they were still scrubbing. And that was probably the most excruciating pain that I ever felt was when they would scrub every single part of your body with that. And, like, the pain was so hard, I just pass out. And I wake up in my room with new bandages and stuff. And I'm like, oh, what happened? We're like, oh, you know, we were taking care of your skin. (laughs) I was like, all right, cool. Um, But, yeah, that was that that for about a whole year um, that I spent in the hospital a year yeah close to it
0: dude um unbelievable story and so important for people to hear people that are wondering you know how they're going to move forward with their life from setbacks that humans always end up getting we always
1: get setbacks of some sort but yours is big i mean Sure, you, you say big, but I think you know we're all resilient, right? We're all, we all have that in us. I don't think people realize it, and it, you don't necessarily have to go through what I went through, right? I mean, it could be something else, a car accident or something that that you got to come back from it. And, and everybody's struggles are so much different than than mine. It just happened that that happened on my job. Things happen to people every single day. I at their job or outside of their jobs, and they got to come back from it. So it's no different than anybody else. It's just that was the situation that I was presented, and it's it's, it's the cards I was dealt, and I had, I had to play them.
0: I, I, uh, I've heard your story um, several times, you know, and the thing that comes up a lot is your parents, and I, I don't hear you talk a lot about the specifics of them, but it, it feels like from your stories that they were a big foundation on you and your mentality because, I mean – you downplay it. You're super humble, you, but you downplay the fact that you have overcome a mountain of adversity. And you play it off like, well, you know, people get in car accidents, you know, people. <laughs> but, but you spent a year in the hospital. Yeah. You lost a limb. 70% burns on your body. Yeah. And you sit here like, yeah, you know, it's light life. You know, you just. To, I, I, I got to give credit, uh, you know, besides God, who you've mentioned
1: Um, it sounds like your parents are pretty awesome people. Oh yeah, they are. I mean, you know, it's my mom is just, she's, she's my rock. So is my dad. I mean, they're, they're amazing folks, right? They, they dropped everything on a diamond. Like they, my mom had just opened up a hair salon. She sold it, moved to San Antonio. My dad quit his job, came up and they took care of me from day one. And there were the people that refused to let me quit. They were like, you know, there was kind of a, put your head down, let's get this shit done and let's go home. Like, you got this and if it wasn't for my family you know and not only that man when, when you're around the 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 facility that we were at you see other guys i mean there was guys that were worse than us but we have a good buddy of ours named schlitz he's burned 98 percent of his body missing his arms and you look at a guy like that that walks in and starts laughing and making jokes and stuff and you're like what am i complaining about i'm i'm fine like at least I look cuter than that dude. I, I'm good. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I got this. <laughs> so stuff like that, man. And 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 honestly, like it's just again, you know, I think people don't realize how resilient we are. I don't think people really push their body to the max when you're presenting a situation, right? And yeah, my my family was a big big key for me because they were just so supportive. And that's the thing, you know. A lot of people don't see don't see that. Like people are like, oh, you're you're this, you're that, but if it wasn't for people in the background and the vaccines, like I, I wouldn't be here today. From my friends to my family, everybody at some point in my life has had a big impact in me. And that's the reason I still hang out with those people. And that's the reason, you know, I always give my, my, my parents the credit for it because it's because of them, you know. They pushed me, they, they did all that. And I'm lucky enough to have friends that. When I'm messing up, they will call me out, like, "Hey, dude, you're you're not doing what you need to do, or you messed up here, or you did this wrong." And we're all humans; we all mess up, right? It's going to be one of those things. We're not perfect, and I'm blessed enough to have those people in in my corner that call me out when I'm doing something wrong, or when I need to do better, or I need to push forward, or I need to do you mean more instead with of my feeling life. sorry for you. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's not just me. There, there is a lot of people that people don't see on my social media that have a big part of my life and the reason I am who I am today. So you not, say it's not you,
0: just me. <laughs> you, know, you say it like it's so easy, but um you you have to put out into the world a everyone around me don't feel sorry for me. Yeah. But then the the, the bigger thing is you and i can imagine at the at the end of your year long hospital stay you know and in, in and out of surgeries at some point you had to say okay what's next in my life yeah what's next for omar in my life like what's my purpose now because you said god called you out in the humvee and said not today yeah so then you have to ask the question why okay i followed you this far I listened to your voice. I got up. I've been through a lot of pain. So now what? Why do you yeah. ask yourself that?
1: I did. I did a long time ago. Right. It's the, the the questioning of why. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, I think we all struggle with it. Right. It's, it's why am I here? Why did she let me endure through all that and still still go through what we go every day? Right. I mean, I'm not done. I still have surgeries. I still have openings on my on my legs and i can't do this and i can't do that and it's frustrating at points and you're just like why 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 Yeah. and then things happen like uh i meet kids that that are severely burned and i get to hang out with them and nah. i get to show them to do things that that i'm doing that they can do yeah and it inspired me man like i met a kid and i looked at him and and i can i i stepped back and i was like what are you complaining about you grew up an all-american you play sports. You did all these crazy things. You dated the cheerleaders. You dated this. You did all these crazy things. You joined the military. You had an awesome life before you got hurt. This kid doesn't. Yeah. And let's let's not and let us let us not let not sugarcoat it. Kids are mean at school, and yeah. he was getting picked on by other kids because he was burned something yeah. that he had no control over. So I was like, if I can mentor that kid and tell him that i'm here and he can call me anytime he wants because let's be honest you're not going to tell your parents every single day that you're getting bullied you're getting this because they're going to come to school and embarrass you but here's a guy that's burned here's a guy that knows what i'm going through here's a guy that experiences the same pain let me talk to him Mm -hmm. and tell him how i feel and what can i do so that was one of the biggest things man it was like huge man oh wow like okay i get it and then after that, met more burn kids, and I got involved with that and started doing stuff with nonprofits. And then I started doing motivational speaking, and I started seeing everything correlating, right? I was like, okay, cool. This is because of that, and this happened because of that. And all things kind of started coming together and then met all the right people. And it's just like it all started making sense. I was like, okay, I, I see what your plan is. And, and, and at that point, you don't question, you just go
0: with it. So you could rewind back to that day when he said, not today. Yep. and you go okay. I'm
1: starting. Yep. I don't know it all yet, but yep. I'm starting to see. it. Oh yeah, for sure. And it, it took it took a while, right? I mean, it wasn't right off the bat. It wasn't like a year after I was like, oh, I'm doing all these crazy things now. Like oh, you know, no. Mm-hmm. It was it was probably six, seven years down the road after where everything started revealing itself. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I was able to do all those things because of social media. You know, people reached mm-hmm. out and like, you should, you should, like play. me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like people like – and that's how I found a lot of these kids, man. It was people were sending me their articles and stuff and like reach out to these people or or people were sending my stuff to their parents and their parents were reaching out to me and I was like, yes, let's go. So, you know, you kind of start seeing it now and it's just like I know he's not done. I know there's more. There's something bigger that I need to do that, that he still has his hand on me. and I don't know what it is, but, I mean, who knows? Dude. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I hope that you uh, continue to come on this podcast and update me on that mission that you're talking yeah, oh, about. Oh, man, of course. Um, yeah. So I have I have uh, a lot of times, I don't always have guests on here. Um, when I do, it's somebody very special like you. But, Thanks, man. But I open it up to questions from listeners. Yeah. So I have an email set up, GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com, and I, and I collect these emails from people. And um, I think it would be cool. And, and, and what's crazy is... So many, ninety percent of the questions aren't about music or anything I do. It's about life and struggling and moving yeah. forward and finding answers. And so I think it would be cool if you dove into one of these questions. Come on! And um, I decided this last night. I was like, "Man, I'm going to let Crispy uh, answer one of these questions." Which, on a side note, this morning I was like, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to see Crispy to my wife." Yeah. And she she's like, "You can't call him that." <laughs> she's like, "You got to call him Omar." <laughs> And I was like, babe, his Instagram says Christy. Like,
1: that's obviously what uh, he wants to be called. Yeah, man. It, so here's a little side story. So Jay, myself, and a bunch of other guys that got wounded from our company or in our battalion, we have, you know, the welcome back ceremony for, for everybody in the unit. So we all flew back to Germany, and, you know, we get back there, and we had a body of ours named uh, Kashmir uh, Waita in uh, Wierda, Sorry. And um, he got injured, and I say all, but he got hit with an IED, and a piece of shrapnel went in from this side to the other side of his temple, and he's blind. And, And I say that's all that happened to him, but, you know, his vision's gone. But it was a little piece of shrapnel that went in one side and the other and went completely blind. And... We make our way back there, and, you know, we're we're up there in our barracks. You know, I was on the third floor, and we're out there. I'm in my wheelchair, and I'm talking. And I've always been the loud guy. Like, you can ask any of my friends. I'm like, all attention on me. Like, everybody else shut up. <laughs> 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 so I'm talking to, you know, to all the guys and whatnot, and he's in the other corner talking to his guys, and I hear him go, he goes, Omar. And I look over, and I was like, where'd And he's like, come here. So I make my way over there, and. He's like, man, I heard what happened to you, and I was like, yeah. And he goes, so you're, uh, so you're pretty much crispy now, huh? And then I was like, <laughs> dude, I like that. I was like, that's awesome. Oh, so from there on, I stuck with it. I was like, yeah. So when people were like, ask me, it's kind of an icebreaker, right? Because people are always like, hey, how you doing? And you know, it's it's kind of a little awkward when you shake my hand because right. it's not there. And then they're like. I was like what's up, And I'm crispy, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, oh. cool." So like they, they tend to like loosen up a little bit, and then you get into the conversation with somebody. So okay, yeah, okay. he's the one that gave me that name, and I mean it stuck, man. Like even my mom, like she'll you know, she'll call and she's like, "Oh, more," and I'm just like, "What?" Like, "Oh, yeah, that's my name." Okay, cool. Wow. But yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, so I officially call you crispy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah for Amber, sure. if you're listening.
0: Um, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna we'll take a quick break, then I'm gonna read this question with you. Alrighty. All right. All right. So last night I decided I was going to pull out these questions. Like I'm all, I always read questions and you're here and so I wouldn't, but then I was like, "Man, actually this might this actually might work out great." So yeah. I I went to the the I got a just a list here. I went to the first one on the list and it's kind of ironic. So I think it would be perfect for you. Okay. It says, "Hey Granger, I'm having a hard time with life right now. Just a little background on what's going on. July of 2019, I injured my back at my old job." Um, this is a re-injury. I have, um, been seen by workers comp doc and they were completely useless. I had to sue the company to get medical treatment, to get paid for, uh, back paid for my time off at work. And I love to work, but I can't work in that field anymore. I was an auto mechanic and I love taking things apart, finding out what's wrong with it. I've just been sitting around in pain and my back doctor can't do a damn thing. I've had, uh, several surgeries so it seems like everything is going wrong in my life when i found you it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel so my question is what keeps you going and that is joey i appreciate you emailing and this is a perfect question for crispy
1: (laughs) so it might be a little different right but what keeps me going um are those guys that didn't come back right um and then it's kind of selfish for me to come home and not keep pushing forward and not continue to live my life to the best that I can because any given moment, those guys will love to trade spaces with me. They'd yeah. be like, you know what? I'll take your injuries, I'll take that life, but I get to hang out with my family and my kids. Mm. Yeah, I- I'm in. Cool. I'll trade spots with you right now. Mm. So that's kind of what keeps me going, man. And to be honest with you, I mean, again, it's everybody in my corner that has inspired me to do better and has always constantly reminded me of the, the lives impacted with the stuff that we do and what we put out and, and, and the message that we give people. So it's hard. It's hard. I, I remember there was times where I just wanted to quit and didn't want to, just didn't want to do anything. I was in so much pain. I, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I think we all find ourselves in that place, but there is a light at the end of the town, like Joey said, man. And it was, and it's worth it, right? I mean, you you got to go through those trials and tribulations before you can really wreak the benefits, I guess, of, of all the hard work that you're going to put in and all the pain and everything that you go through. So my advice to him was just be like, man, keep at it. You know, keep finding. You're going to find a doctor that's going to take care of you, that's going to cure you. And it, it might not be today or tomorrow. It might take a couple of months, but eventually you're going to pull through and you're going to look back at it and be like, man, that almost broke me, but I'm still here. And then... You can share your story with someone else and inspire someone else and keep it going. And that's, that's that's at the end of the day, that, that's the goal, right? It's if I can put a seat and inspire one guy, and that guy grows up to be, I don't know, the next Tony Robbins or something, and he goes and inspires more people, and those people inspire more. At, at the end of the day, when I leave this earth, I want to look back and be like, you know what? I feel good with what I did. And I hope this was a lot better uh, when I leave than what it was when I was here.
0: Dude. Joey, that's, uh, that's coming straight from the man. And uh, I don't think there could be a better person to answer that question. You say you're sitting around in your pain. Um, that just, I think he summed it up right there. There's, there's a lot at the end of the tunnel, as you wrote. And it's not going to happen tonight. And that's no. the thing that's probably he's struggling with. It is. It's like, man, I want to work. I want to do my passion. Yep. It's not going to happen tonight. Uh, but that doesn't mean you quit for something that could happen in six months or a year or, Hey dude, 10 years.
1: Yeah. It could be
0: 10 years. Uh, Yeah, it could be, but you're sitting there with your grandkids in 30 years Mm -hmm. and you go, sure. I'm glad I kept going.
1: Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, again, that they'll be ripping the benefits down the road. So yeah, yeah, dude,
0: man, thank you for being on this podcast. Thanks for having me, my, my, uh, on my top of my list (laughs) to get in this chair. I appreciate it. And I finally got to do it with you. We finally worked out a date. Um, and then, I hope we get to do more when if you're heading back north. Come on. Yeah, of course. All right, dude. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, brother.